0: hello and welcome to oh brother what are we watching two brothers discuss pop culture with a geeky bent i'm chris and with me as always is my brother steve
1: how are you christopher
0: i'm well uh i'm pretty <laughs> pretty tired but um <laughs> i'm pretty good eager eager to talk about today's uh sort of assignment uh, how about you
1: I'm I'm super eager to talk about it and I didn't think I would say that after twenty years of dodging
0: this movie. <laughs> Some expert dodging. Um before we uh before we jump into it, do we have any news nuggets for this week? I know you're desperate to use that drop
1: again, but I don't think yep. we actually have any news nuggets uh this week, but it worked so well last
0: time, Chris. The next time we have news we will definitely drop it in. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, so um let's not let's not delay. Let's Let's jump into it. So we are talking uh this week about the Godfather Part Three. Um so in case you missed it, uh last week the, the 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 setup here is that Steve and I uh made a big deal about watching the Godfather part one. Um we had a big night in, there was ice cream. Um <laughs> it was <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. The next week uh it was the Godfather part two, more we ice cream. We did it all again. Yeah, big night in. And we penciled Godfather Part 3 in for uh, the next weekend. And that was in, I would guess, 2001 or 2, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Because I was working in a supermarket, which is why we got
1: the ice cream, because it was cheap. Because I had use my mm. staff discount to get it and like a couple of <laughs> like a couple of lovelorn teenage girls, Chris, we sat there in front of a tub of Ben and Jerry's watching um a Potted <laughs> History of uh, Mafia of New York. Mm-hmm. And um we were eating like as you said, we like we had like one big pot first week and another big pot the next week. <laughs> they lasted about ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes of that. Uh, yeah. for these two to three hour films. Um mm-hmm. and then we got to Godfather part three and um i'm not quite sure what happened
0: because we knew we knew that the godfather part three had a reputation for being quite a disappointment considerably uh you know less uh lauded i suppose um and so i think i don't know i just think i think we were scared um and so we put it off we said yeah definitely we'll watch it next week next week rolled around it didn't happen I feel like we promised ourselves for a while. I feel like we would occasionally have a conversation where we'd say, you know what? We really need to sit down and watch this movie. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> we yeah, we did. Never did. <laughs> and, and then I got the upgrade. I got the DVD
1: upgrade to the Blu-rays. And it was kind of like another sign, like, we have to do this. And I still didn't watch it until <laughs> until you told the world last week or two weeks ago or whatever.
0: Like, uh, yeah, we have to watch this now. It was it was like a spectre just hanging over us. And it's actually part of what stopped me re-watching the first two. Um, because I think it was last, last Christmas, my wife got me the Blu-rays. Um, mm. You know, we were watching The Sopranos at the time. We were in a big mafia mood. If I start down this path, it has to finish with me watching The Godfather Part 3. And I don't know if I'll ever be ready. <laughs> um, so I decided to take the bull by the horns. And we've both watched it. So first question... What did you think?
1: Well, I think I think a bit like last time with Watchmen, Chris, I want to take you through my thoughts pre-film first. Oh, yeah, please. Because I wrote them down pre-film. I was like, I, before I even put the disc in the machine, I just need to write down why I've put this off for 20 years. Okay. So, I, And it's because it's exactly what you said. The film has a reputation. It's like a trilogy killer. Mm-hmm. The black sheep of the family, a story that maybe that maybe didn't need telling oh definitely <laughs> um but any film any sequel that happens 16 years after the first two um doesn't usually bode well so there was a lot of trepidation on my part a lot of stories a lot of jokes you know like in tv shows in sopranos i'm sure they made fun of it in sopranos like oh yeah
0: to
1: come to my mind that they made fun of godfather part three in the sopranos and the fact that the film was made thanks to the uh, financial failures and difficulties of the director who then would follow up with things like captain eo and jack which you, you saw in the cinema, Jack, actually, Chris. You saw that
0: Uh, uh Yeah, it was a Robin Williams classic.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you use that word liberally in these podcasts. and I don't I do. think you're using no, it the way it should be
0: used. I'll level with you. It was a terrible movie, and I don't have fond memories of watching it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and like, like, we're not going to discuss Godfather 1 or 2 in this podcast because they are above us, right? We are a couple of schmucks. Mm-hmm. We would not be able to discuss Godfather 1 or 2 with the, the reverence and uh, what it deserves, I think, yeah. in my opinion. We we are not worthy of discussing those two films such I as know. they are.
0: Although I will, I will say this if I may just briefly interject. Aye. If you're listening and you haven't seen The Godfather Part 1 or 2, stop immediately. Uh, go and watch them because inevitably what we're going to say uh, will in some way or another spoil something that happens in those movies and they are so good they are so so good absolutely and and you can't watch three without watching one and two because it's hard enough
1: to follow three as you'll find out without watching one and two it is damn near impossible you can't just you can't be sitting there on tv of a saturday night and say hey honey godfather part three is on because if you've not seen one and two forget about it
0: yeah yeah do not watch
1: but what I was astonished uh, before, just before we got onto the actual film, Chris, was actually that uh, Godfather 3, part 3, I should say, um, had a huge amount of award nominations, um, a surprisingly large box office take, and mm-hmm. probably more mixed reviews than I was anticipating. I always knew it was a bit of the uh, black sheep, but I thought it would be like wall-to-wall negative reviews, and it wasn't, actually. It wasn't. It was actually quite surprising in that, that good. So, so putting the disc in i was a bit more positive about it all
0: Mm,
1: i was like i like this universe i like these guys these are my kind of guys and let's let's see what's it got in store for us and it's not as bad as its reputation but it's pretty muddled it's Mm, it's hard to follow it's got some interesting choices acting choices casting choices oh Uh, we're gonna talk about that yeah it's a long film (laughs) um it is. some of the actors didn't return so therefore some of it has been changed completely and the plot most resembles the start of star wars episode one a phantom menace like it's <laughs> it's <laughs> about business and tax and trading with some mafioso stuff thrown in yeah. um but it's also got some interesting aspects to it um largely revolving around the kind of uh, cycle of violence which i'm sure we'll get into but it is a mixed bag and you can see why it's a mixed bag but it's probably not as bad as as was initially made out. I mean, what did you think of it, Chris? What did you think? You just finished watching it maybe about an hour ago.
0: Yeah, um, I'm on most fronts inclined to agree with you. Definitely, I, I had the overwhelming feeling like it's not, you know, certainly not as bad as I had anticipated. And I think, by and large, the reason it's so, you know, poorly regarded is just because of what it's a part of. You know, it's... It's it's almost reviled because it cannot and does not live up to the the reputation of the first two films. Mm. Um for obvious reasons, uh, which we'll get into. But as as it's as a film, in and of itself, it's not bad. Um I think it's quite well shot. Um, there's some very nice location work. Um, the music is uh, you know, great, outstanding. There's some interesting moments. Mm-hmm. There's some almost themes yeah there was there there was some things to like there's some things to recommend it it's not i thought we were going to come out of this saying like christ just watch the first two never watch the third but i would say if you've watched the first two finish it off yeah watch the third just prepare for a little bit of disappointment bring your thinking cap and maybe a pen and paper that's what would have benefited me the most, I think. Um, I, like Full disclosure, I finished watching the film, I opened Wikipedia, I went to plot, and I read the plot, <laughs> because I had not followed it. And by the end, I was just like, at this point, I feel like I'd need to rewind an hour to try and remember who this old Italian is, and how he differs from this old Italian, because there were about three, and I kept getting them mixed up. Um And it's partly on me i you know i was probably a little distracted at times and you really 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 need to focus to follow what's going on but yeah it's it's tough and i think i took a break as well i don't know if you did i took a break in the middle
1: chris i took multiple breaks it took me (laughs) so i was messaging you as i watched it and i think the film the film official duration is two hours 50 it might have taken me almost four hours to get through it Mm. because i liberally you know i was i'm sitting here in the back room watching it and every so often i had to pause it i had to go away i had to get like a drink or something i had to just yeah. kind of take a break from it because yeah it's not the easiest to follow to be honest with you and sometimes you have to think about it and i did have wikipedia on my tablet and i don't like doing that i don't you know I like paying attention to films and and then mm-hmm. going away from them but every so often i was i was looking through wikipedia saying what the f is going on and sometimes it would describe the plot and it'd be like a sentence, and that sentence would take forty five minutes. Yes, because the film is so long and so slow at times <laughs> that mm. you have to go. Well, hang on, what what is this about? What am I supposed to be caring about? They were talking yeah. about deal, and you go back to the, the 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 tablet and like, oh no, they're they're still they're still in the scene. Okay, no worries. All right, yeah. I can go back and, into I'm, it now.
0: I'm hugely relieved that you've said this because I was partly thinking like. Is this, is this the sort of person I've become? Have I just become one of these people that's like, who's that again? Why has he just stabbed him? There was a moment where um, he's talking to some old white guy. Uh, he seems pretty unhappy. And then he says, I tell you what, no problem. We'll talk about this in Sicily. And I was like, Sicily? And the next thing I know, we're in Italy. Um, I had no recollection of them saying they were going there. I had no idea that that's where they were going. And as far as I was aware, that was the first time it had been mentioned. And then, all of a sudden, we're in Italy for like two hours of the film. And apparently, Wikipedia tells me that was all just so they could go see the opera that was the sort of setting of the, uh, you know, the, the the finale of the film. And I was like, it seemed like he was there for weeks. What happened? Why? I just I couldn't follow it. I could not follow it at all. <laughs> I felt I felt stupid. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. When you when you read out what happens in the film um, sequentially, it, it kind of makes sense. Actually, it's, it's it sounds not...
0: quite competent, doesn't it? it, it, it,
1: it yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a little bit complex. So for those of you listening, Godfather one and two. After that, this is years later. Uh, Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino, is trying to become legitimate. Mm right he's trying to become legitimate, and he's got millions and millions of dollars so he's sold all these Ill- illegitimate things the mafia is actually run by some other guy uh, joe Mantegna's mm-hmm. character uh, joey mm-hmm. zaza and M- michael is all about being legitimate now and it's all entrapped in this business deal which then also involves um you know as you said his illegitimate son who's you now vincent is up and coming protege
0: it was his illegitimate and- nephew isn't it it's uh, fredo's son no, no, it's
1: um, Sonny Cor... is Sonny's son. It's a Sonny's... James s- Cannes character.
0: <laughs> okay. So it's Sonny's illegitimate right. son. Okay, that...
1: All right. With it now. It's still it's still creepy what happens with him later in the film, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. They're trying to become legitimate, and the, yeah, I agree with you about the Sicily thing. So well, it's, it's in New York, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're in Sicily. And we're in Sicily for a number of reasons, but it's never really explained to us why we need to go from New York to Sicily how all of these things need to happen at the same time so you've got um michael's actual son
0: uh-huh.
1: is uh a lawyer training to be a lawyer who then becomes an mm-hmm. opera singer and he's going to do this opera in sicily in the meantime uh because of the gangland warfare he's been advised to go to sicily to talk to this old guy who then advises him to go talk to someone in the yep. Vatican, <laughs> who's going to become the future Pope, <laughs> uh, who's going to sign off on his business deal. Just saying it exhausts me, yeah. Chris. It really is a hard work. Like, I'm glad I, I watched it, but it's it's hard hard it is hard work.
0: Let me ask you this um, breaking down a couple of those things, some observations. Now, to me, the amounts of money they discuss and deal in are preposterous. Even given that he is supposed to be the head, you know, the godfather of a, at least one crime family, if not all of them, I forget how it works. But to be able to just throw $600 million at a business deal, I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? That's not a lot of people have that much money.
1: And it was going to be less. And the card was like, no, more. He's like, yeah, sure. Five, 500 million, 600 million yeah, all is right. not me. i sure. reach in
0: my pockets. I mean, that. It's an insane amount of no money. No one is worth that much money. <laughs> there are like six people on Earth that have that much money, I'm sure. And I can't help but feel that that's just... It, it just it just <laughs> seemed like a child wrote it. It's like, ah, you need a bit of cash. I will give you $600 million to start you off. Some seed money.
1: It's insane, isn't it? It's an insane amount of money. But to, to, be, fair, to be fair, Pablo Escobar, when he was running the drugs cartel in Colombia, was the... Th- third or fourth rich man in the world so there's certainly a lot of money in that society not that i no. would know um in my normal job in my normal life in the middle of england but good cover thanks <laughs> that washing machine tumbling in the background not money in it honestly it's jumpers jumpers <laughs> the way the film is described when i was reading about it chris is that it's not a direct sequel to two or one that it's an epilogue so it's, it's kind of the story's been told but this is like the the tail end of the end of the story so it's basically saying to you imagine that he has a lot more money off screen than what you've seen and he's legitimate now and he's he wants to yeah he wants to be legitimate now and he wants to throw this money at the catholic church and be a good person which is actually kind of one of the the, the more interesting themes of the film actually is uh this uh Michael striving to get away from the life that he never really wanted in the first two films. And again, if you haven't seen the first two films, then this doesn't make sense. But if you have, mm. and you can remember them, Chris, uh, just about <laughs> that <laughs> that Michael didn't really want to be in the a gangster. In fact, he he definitely didn't want to be in the first one. He was uh, in
0: the army. I almost feel like it would be a much better film had they not tried to do it as an epilogue and actually said, "Well, let's let's tell it as the third part of a trilogy," because uh you know, if you think about it, the first film. As you say, starts with Michael, doesn't want to be involved in the family's business. He kind of gets drawn into it reluctantly, um, uh, you know, due to, you know, deep, deep-seated blood vengeance kind of issues, gets involved. Turns out he's a bit of a natural at it. And before you know it, he gets sucked yep. in. Yep. And it's a very, cla- you know, it's a classic story and it's it's been told, you know, many times before, many times since about power and its corrupting influence. Um, and even someone who wants nothing to do with it, as soon as they've had a taste of what it's like, they find it very hard to let go. Um, and pretty much every gangster story, you know, TV show, movie, pretty much revolves around that, and, and you know, the, 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 and certainly the difficulties of getting away from it and and whatnot. And so the, the, the arc of his character throughout the first two films is basically how power so completely corrupts him that he is left pretty much, Alone. You know, yeah. wife leaves with the kids, doesn't want anything to do with him. Most of his family's dead, he's killed his own brother. Big spoiler alert there, but I did tell you to turn off, so I don't know what you want from me. And uh yeah, you know, it's like it says, his story is kind of complete, and yet here we come in at the tail end. <clears throat> he he has regrets over what happened with his brother. He's trying to go legitimate. So this should kind of be a film about Michael's redemption. But yet it just doesn't feel like that's anything to do with the plot it's kind of a theme but it just seems like every now and again someone in the writer's room or you know whatever was just like oh yeah isn't this about michael's redemption let's have him do a confession with a priest and he cries and we get this real moment and then we forget about that for a while and then he has a moment with diane keaton um and oh they actually both love each other and maybe things could work out I don't know I don't know if you agree but it just feels like uh, just they threw it in every now and again but it wasn't really the focus of the film and if they had made that the focus it could have been a lot stronger whether or not he actually did gain the redemption he was seeking I think it would have been a much more interesting watch if that had been the sole focus and they hadn't thrown in all this other stuff about trade disputes in the Vatican um, you know all that
1: well it's certainly a model film Chris but I would like to borrow a page from your book and drop some knowledge on oh, you, right? I'm ready. So you like to? Oh, yeah, you like to come in with your little theories and everything. So I was doing some reading. I did the reading. Oh, cool. I would like to bring up because you you said there, you know, this is supposed to be about Michael's redemption. You're right. Michael is not redeemed by it, but there is this there is this kind of theory out there that I was reading about, uh and I'm going to get the guy's name probably wrong, but it's it, the name's uh, Rene Giraud or Girard. Okay. And he has a concept, Chris, uh, from film criticism, or or certainly from, or maybe it's sociological, Uh about reciprocal violence. Mm -hmm. And you you probably know where I'm going to go with this, but it's it's basically the circle of violence, Chris, that humanity is a spiral of conflict that never ends. And therefore, for Michael to uh, be legitimized, his circle must be closed. And that for all the violence that he committed and that he committed others to do in behalf of the family in one and two and part of three but mainly mm-hmm. in one and two that there has to be a payment mm-hmm. for it so it just can't be that michael michael wants to go good that's great but that's not enough that's not payment enough and the payment comes at the end of the film when spoiler alert his daughter mary dies uh-huh. and that is the, the the closing of the circle right that's the closing of the although the the theory of reciprocal violence is that it never ends it'll just keep going and keep going and keep going and as you said you know michael does not get redeemed in this so you're right the the theme is is slightly muddled i think it's it's not quite as clear-cut um he is never redeemed for for what he did in the past uh he wants to go straight he wants to protect his family above all he says over and over again from the violence from what he's done but he can't they're inextricably linked and it was only going to be a, a case of who and when and in this case it was Mary on the steps of the Opera House
0: hmm. um,
1: so I think in that regard they did actually um, fulfil the theme quite well Chris it's just it was just more about um, the rest of the film it was all a bit muddled around now, You see it.
0: that's interesting because I I kind of came into the film feeling like this has to end with Michael Corleone dying which literally it does but as an old old man by himself somewhere in sicily i kind of felt cheated by that point because i kind of felt like well well no because he's you know i kind of felt like you say that there has to be some sort of balancing of the scales and i assumed at the sort of the 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 moment in the opera house where mary gets shot that he was going to get shot and and killed and it was going to basically be like you can't just walk away you want to you know you want to legitimize yourself and just step away from the family business you've put your nephew kind of in charge and, and walked away but you don't get to walk away you you know you die a bloody violent death because that's that's what this whole thing is about um and you know the cycle doesn't end like you say it doesn't matter how many times you visit retribution on the people that you know wronged your family because you wronged theirs and they wronged yours etc cetera, etc cetera. so i felt when he didn't die there kind of cheated i was like well ugh. So he gets to grow old. <laughs> but no, I, I see it from your point of view that it's, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, his, his punishment is almost that he has to grow old with sort of never redeeming himself. His daughter dies. Um, presumably that closes the door on his wife ever talking to him or, you know, his ex-wife ever talking to him again. And...
1: Oh, exactly. The, the end montage is, is all the women he mm. lost.
0: I, I don't think we can avoid it any longer. I, I think we kind of need to talk about um, Sophia Ford Coppola
1: we need to talk about the acting and we need to talk Mm -hmm. about sofia coppola so i will say this about sofia coppola before we absolutely trash her okay and that is that she was doing her father a favor so by all accounts amongst other people julia roberts and winona ryder dropped out this film for various Mm -hmm. reasons and she did her daddy a a favor so i kind of feel like it should be viewed through that prism of i'm not an actress but i'll do it (laughs) in
0: which case she's done all right (laughs) that definitely came through no personal bashing of Sophia, but she's not a very good actress. That much is obvious. And unfortunately for her, I think a lot of this film hinges on you caring about her character. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that, in a nutshell, is, is where it really fell flattest for me. Because I didn't care about her. So, you know, I what did I write? Hang on, I made a note. Love story. Am I supposed to give a fuck? So there's this central, <laughs> there's a central love story between Andy Garcia and Sofia Coppola about their cousins, but apparently he falls in love with her, which happens apropos of nothing at all. <laughs> Just standing, talking in the kitchen.
1: So, so this is the funny thing. So, in in so the the first scene, which is a, as with almost all Godfather movies, the first scene is a celebration. Mm-hmm. So Michael's receiving this award, and they have a big party and uh, bridget fonda is there as well as as mary the the cousin and he falls for mary but he ends up going home with bridget fonda Mm -hmm. who's an actual actress um and i'm i'm with you i'm sitting there like why is he falling for this one note you know there's no emotion there from her at all throughout the film whether it's (laughs) (laughs) whether she's supposed to be angry sad in love whether she's supposed to
0: be uh whatever she's supposed to be from an emotional point of view she's just flat for the whole I don't film. know if it's the order in which they filmed it or if it's just an odd coincidence, but I think she's at her most charismatic in the first scene we see her where she's trying to uh, put the moves on Andy Garcia, which is very creepy because they're cousins. <laughs> um, I suppose only part cousins because he's, you know, illegitimate. But uh, yeah, you know, she's she's kind of trying it on. And I felt like that was the most engaged she was <clears throat> in the film. Yeah. And then, you know, I was kind of like, "Wow, well, she's not brilliant," but I don't see why everyone has such a massive go at her. And then, every subsequent scene, she's just like, "Daddy, are you? Am I a front? Why are you doing this?" Oh my god, yes! Please stop. And, <laughs> and yeah, you know, she goes round to Vinny's house, and they they just start kissing for seemingly no reason. Uh, and then after that, it's like, "Oh, they're they're in love, apparently." But Michael doesn't approve. And that's the big thing, you know, we're supposed to see. We, we see this turn in, in Vinny's character where he's sort of, you know, he's, he's wearing the suits. He's got his hair done. Yeah. I, I'm, from my memory, he looks quite like Al Pacino does in the previous movies. And I'm guessing that's the point to like kind of show that cycle oh, continuing. Like the slicked back here, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. you know, he, he is the new Michael.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I could have done without the whole incest, frankly. Th- that angle. plot device. I- I- I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest with you. However, it would have made more sense if there had been some sort of like budding kind of uh, romance. They couldn't quite help themselves. They were so inextricably drawn to each other that they were going to almost tear apart the family. And what, <laughs> what we actually end up getting is Sofia Coppola kind of sleepwalking through some scenes and yeah. everyone kind of being like, whether it be al pacino or or uh, andy garcia uh, seemingly you know you can you can see them acting the pants off her yeah. because they're emotionally invested and they're, they're they're doing all the bits from their point of view they're supposed to do you know you, you brought up one of the scenes where like daddy am i a front for you and you can see see him being no 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 this is legitimate and you're le-, but she's just got nothing there it's like dead yeah. eyes it's just <laughs> like she's literally on the other end of a phone going what's my line daddy am i a front I love you, Vincent. And I'm wondering
0: if there was you know, I wonder if there was a bit of a reticence from um, Francis Ford Coppola's point of view to try and direct his daughter. You know, I don't know what he's like as a director but, you know, I can't help but feel he was just like, one take, we got it. <laughs> that was magic. Well, I
1: I tell you what, Francis Ford Coppola does something and it's bringing in family members, so she's not the only mm-hmm. one. Nicolas Cage is his nephew, I think uh-huh. and he got his big break in a Francis Ford Coppola film and um Francis Ford Coppola he's got other family members in this film in cameos or helping out with the music I think is one Mm. other one and there's also one of Al Pacino relatives in this film as well so nepotism definitely is a big feature of this film
0: (laughs) I just because because she had no charisma or magnetism you know I didn't care about her relationship with Vincent so when you know Pacino has this big moment where he's like okay you get to be the Don you are the boss, but you leave my daughter out of it because I don't want you dragging her into it. And he's kind of like, oh, well, there's no, dr- there's mm. no drama
1: there. There's no drama. There's yeah. like, you you're could very easily imagine him going,
0: okay. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. Because we haven't even seen yeah, it. Whatever. even Even when putting aside her flat acting, we just don't see them together enough to even form an opinion that they are in love. Um, It's, all it's talked about off screen every now and again. Like, you know, they're dating, you know, she loves him. And I, Sure, I guess, but, but show me. And, you know, like you say, it's almost set up as this, like, Romeo and Juliet, impossible love. You know, he they, they can't be together for many reasons. Hmm. Some of them, you know, nature-based. If they'd focused on that again, you know, if that had been the focus, that we're going to shift away from Pacino's character and Michael and he's going to be almost more background and we're actually going to focus on his kids and what they're doing and that that would be her part of the story, and that, that that her death would actually affect us because we cared about her as a character, and that would tie everything together really nicely. That would have worked. You know, there's probably about two or three threads that they could have just focused on and made a much more coherent movie. One that I'll say Pacino, you know, he he did his job. He, he did it well. Um, you know, I was a bit worried that this movie was a bit of a crash grab, and subsequently that Pacino might have phoned it in a bit but I feel like he was still you know putting in a good performance perhaps a little OTT on the steps
1: well what I was going to say is in, in terms of the acting um and I'm going to insist that you do a Pacino impression I'll do I'll do a Pacino impression if you do a Pacino oh, I love it but this comes from po- post Scarface Pacino so it's all you know it, it's actually reasonably restrained but it's not as good as the first mm. two films to the point where he does his whole you know the most famous scene in the film, which is, I thought I was out, they pull me back in, which is a lot more over the top than I yeah. thought it was going to be. But also this scene as well. He just can't help himself. He's at that point in his career now. He's like, "Fuck it, a hundred percent, Pacino, a hundred percent." Fuck it, and when he turns around, when he takes Kay, right, when he takes his ex-wife on a tour around yeah. Sicily, Chris, and he's hit, he's in the car yeah. and he's got the hat on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? And he turns around and he's got these huge <laughs> eyes. And he's like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> Exactly, that's my impression.
0: Hoo ha! <laughs> Hoo ha ha! Oh, what an ass! A <laughs> true enemy is yet to reveal himself.
1: <laughs> is that your petino impression? Have it's you got it's one?
0: hard because you need to keep it going. Like it, it can kind of just, <laughs> it can kind of fall off, and I'm I'm amazed that he keeps it going. But it's always it's always like this. Anyways, he uh, keeps it going. Sunny, Fredo, everyone. <laughs> it's 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 crazy it's absolutely crazy and uh, i mean i was actually trying to remember the the, the line just when i thought i was out they, they pulled me back in wasn't that also in the second film i felt like i'd already seen it no i think you've already seen it because it's is one of the most iconic lines in cinema
1: but it's in this film therefore no one's actually seen it like if you're listening to this right now i guarantee at least 60% of our audience because we have not got a huge audience but 60% of our audience has not watched this film and has not seen it in its original hmm. setting they've only heard it or they've seen takes on it or the you know they've seen it done on a family guy or yeah. simpsons or something like
0: that true it's it exists as sort of pop culture memes more than as a film that anyone's watched
1: yeah it's up there with uh, don't go against the family or or are these other LNG. i knew it was, knew knew it was yeah. every every film has at least one iconic cinematic line uh but this is the one that no one's watched or at least few have watched so therefore they may not have seen it in this original context yeah um, but Pacino Pacino was pretty good a little bit hammy but I think acting gongs Andy Garcia Andy Garcia is the best guy yeah he's good.
0: He's, good he's good he's he's likeable he's believable I was a little worried early on because he was doing a, he, was, he was getting a bit shouty a bit shouty acting and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know particularly every time um, every time Zaza comes up he just kind of starts chewing the scenery uh, and you know a bit and it's just sort of like ah we gotta kill him we gotta kill him right now ah and you know i felt he could have maybe been a little more restrained there again as a viewer i'm like michael why would you take this kid under your wing like what about him is making you think this is a good idea. He's clearly a loose cannon. <laughs> I just <laughs> Michael, he just he just bit that guy's ear off in front of you. Like he did that right in front of you and you're like, "Hmm, let's talk about yes. this." <laughs> like for fuck's sake, Michael, jump in here and do some goddamn parenting. And then a little while later there's this whole he he shoots the guy and Pacino's just like, "Ah, oh, it's, it's in your nature. What are you going to do?" And it's like oh okay so is that it now and he's like no no you're still my protege i still believe in you <laughs> and then... this this
1: crime empire by the way is falling mm. apart and michael is just standing there like i want to go legitimate so fine yeah it's okay he's gonna he's gonna end up in the wrong side of the tracks anyway he can't help it. it's yeah. in his blood <laughs> you're like someone has to step in here and give him a goddamn father figure. Of
0: well uh just thinking back so we're talking about the scene with uh Pacino in the kitchen, where he utters his famous line about just when he thought he was out, he uttered with um, no irony the line about uh, he's he's talking he's talking about the Zazzo, and he's saying yes he said like he couldn't have orchestrated this helicopter attack. It's the it's the words helicopter attack. The the <laughs> it just it was a it was an interesting scene, but it was a ridiculous scene. The helicopter attack, and I admire Pacino just sort of delivering it like it's it's a normal thing, everyday occurrence in the life of a mafia don.
1: I can see what you're saying about the line delivery, Chris. And it, it, that scene wasn't great, especially when he has his diabetic heart attack. I think that's a little, <sighs> it's a little bit more over the top from Pacino. He has his really big bug out eyes, like, oh my god, I'm having a heart attack. Like we would all, this is it, like how I would imagine mm. I would act as a heart attack. Oh my god, I have a heart attack. Make I was going to say, I chest. think
0: that's the moment as well when he realizes who's betrayed him um and i had not picked up on that
1: when he said it i i when he said i kind of you know got it of course it was not going to be you know the big showy brash simpleton gangster it was going to be someone kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes like like michael used Mm -hmm. to you know behind the scenes um but actually i really like the helicopter attack scene because (laughs) a helicopter attack this this is what i'm saying (laughs) it's actually i think it's actually really good because when i watched it i actually wrote down chris that that scene as well as the opera scene at the end uh for a film which has um some problems mm-hmm. and uh, can be probably best described as mixed um it's not a bad film i don't no, think no, no. But it's not a terrible film um it's not the best film and it's certainly not the best of this trilogy uh, but it's got two great scenes i think one is the most famous one which is the opera scene uh-huh. With all these uh, other kind of, all these threads get pulled together through the opera, and it's been Mm -hmm. imitated on TV and film, time and again. Uh, And the second one is actually the helicopter scene, which you know you've seen that kind of. Let us all sit around, and then someone's going to attack us from above. happen again and again i think the the one that most recently comes to mind actually is star trek, star trek into star trek.
0: darkness yeah
1: <laughs> which is something again it's very similar i can just imagine jj abrams saying oh yeah since copy Francis I, I, Ford yeah copy. i, 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 did, um, I did
0: actually think as i was watching it i wonder if that was an homage that i didn't pick up on
1: it probably was so i think actually i think it was quite good i mean it is a yeah if you describe anything like oh here comes a helicopter to attack these but it, you know in these kind of films i think it actually makes sense i really liked it. i really liked the scene um it's a nice piece of action in what is quite up to that point a slow Mm. burner of a scene like the first 45 minutes of this film is a party
0: there's some church scenes there's a business deal it's slow uh it's kind of slow until it gets to that i I didn't i enjoyed the action of it Uh, it certainly injected some pace into the film and (sighs) I think it kind of reminded me of the, I think it's in the first film where I think it's Sonny gets killed. He gets, he gets yeah. sort of stopped in his car and then people sort of come out of nowhere with machine guns and basically just riddle him with holes uh, is, is my sort of memory of it. And I think some of it kind of evoked that, you know, in, in this scene for me only, of course, it's on a much grander scale. There's a lot more people being gunned down. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty impressive thing that's happening in general. But I think it's just the the inclusion of the literal helicopter, um, uh, just kind of threw me a little bit. You know, where, where does one come across a helicopter? It's the logistics of it that bother me.
1: It's New York City, Chris. You, they're they're everywhere. Oh, everybody's just, got helicopters got in New helicopter. York City.
0: They're ten a penny. You can't move, <laughs> yeah,
1: Chris. Chris, they're part of this conglomerate which is worth billions of dollars. Pacino just gave six hundred million to the Catholic Church. I've Didn't cr- break a sweat. Got... <laughs> got helicopters all over the shop.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I get I, I like the point and I like, you know, obviously like you say it's the idea. It's like, oh, you don't expect the attack from above. Right? Literally above you. You know? It's Ah, it's got some it's got some moments. I definitely agree with you um the the opera scene at the end is fantastic. So much better when I got Wikipedia up and realized who was killing who and why. Because, like you say, there's a lot of things coming together. And it's very tense. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're done on purpose. You know, it was really drawing it out. Keep going back to the opera. Um, You know, we're we're watching that guy with a sniper rifle for what seems like forever. Hmm. Um, And I I, I thought he was going to kill Michael's son for the longest time. uh, Because I had no idea what was going on. But, yeah, all told that that scene was pretty rad um the 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 guy hanging from the bridge at the end as well Mm -hmm. it's very stark visually um not entirely sure who that was either so Um, right so that's that is this (laughs) right
1: that is one of the problems with the film so it throws you in here into what is basically a business deal gone wrong where they try to fuck over the corleone's and Mm -hmm. michael gets his revenge so they take out the accountant that's who's swinging from the bridge then they take out the cardinal who they've been dealing with with the whole film with his own glasses Mm. which is something else because i've got to tell you like i've got glasses like trying to stab someone through the neck with glasses that is hard i don't think that's that was quite gross Mm. it was gross as well but also quite hard so but that was after he just killed the brand new pope with his tea yep (laughs) so we're two popes (laughs) down in this film by the way guys two popes down um and they stab him in the neck and then the uh, the then the corleone's also kill the godfather no the god the godfather of michael's sister with yep. the, the poison cannolis
0: <laughs> which <laughs> i do there's just so many things when you just say it out loud it just sounds ridiculous doesn't it the <laughs> helicopter attack poison cannolis <laughs> godfather three I'd, li- <laughs> I'd like to imagine that being the elevator pitch <laughs> <laughs> I, think the,
1: I think the elevator pitch was paramount offering francis ford coppola millions of dollars for doing this but instead of giving him time or effort they gave him six weeks apparently to write the script and it shows because really six yeah, weeks oh he wanted six yeah. months and they gave him six weeks and him and the author of the book mario, mario Puzo, Puzo. Yeah. sat down and, and wrote this film and do you know what if they had a few more months
0: Made a few tweaks, got the actresses they want. Probably would have been a better film. That's that's the thing. What this feels like to me is a bit of a wasted opportunity because there's definitely potential in here. And the more you know, the more we delve into you know what what led to the creation of this film, the the more you can see why these problems appeared. You know, it it reads like a script that's been written hastily and was desperately in need of an edit.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, why Why did they go to Sicily? Well, there there are reasons for them to go to Sicily, but how does Michael's son go from lawyer to uh, operatic singer who's leading <laughs> a top-notch production on the island of Sicily? And I don't know how long it's passed. Like, how much time
0: has passed in this film? I've got no idea. Well, that's that's the thing. I felt like months and months and months were passing. And if you recall, the original film is like 10 years, isn't it? Or like 5 exactly. or 10 years? Like, exactly. It's a
1: huge... But they only tell you at the start. They say it's 1979 is the first part of the film. Yeah. Um, they don't tell you when it ends. It just it just ends. I, don't, yeah. I certainly don't remember the passage of time. But it just it was a long film.
0: Yeah. Reading the plot, it looks like it took place in about a week or maybe a month. Yeah. Um, but it feels like much longer.
1: <laughs> because this is all about a business deal. It goes Ooh. from the business deal being proposed to the Pope signing it off. The Pope is sick. And then the Pope dies, and then new Pope comes in, who's friend of Michael, and new Pope signs it, and then new Pope dies. So, how long does that take? Like, I Ooh. don't know, is that, a, is that a week, a month, a year? I actually
0: don't know how long this takes. No, it's it's messed up. But, it, yeah, as as I say, a bit of a missed opportunity, I think. Definitely a bit more time, maybe not more money, but better actors. Um yeah i don't know maybe maybe they could have made some more overtures to some of the original cast to get them back although uh if memory serves most of them were dead anyway well this um, with well,
1: the the story with um so robert duval in the mm-hmm. first two films plays the consigliere of the corleone family he didn't come back for yeah. this film because he wanted to get paid more than his role had originally been paid and they said no so they brought in this other actor Fair this call. new character and they, i think there's maybe one throwaway line that basically he's dead which yeah. again is a shame. Like, in any of these films, when you know you know it's twenty odd years and they're telling a story, and you want it to be as good as possible, you kind of want as much as possible for the the original cast, or at least the most of the cast to come back who were alive. Um, and that was certainly something else that was missing. There was really no counterbalance to Michael.
0: Like mm. Michael's
1: character is forcing through all this, and he's he's got an enemy, he's got a he's got a young man who you can't really control. He's got a daughter who's fallen in love with him. He's got an ex-wife. But there's not really any kind of counterbalance to michael there's some good scenes with Kay, his ex-wife uh but there's just no really like that strong that impartiality that robert deval would have brought as the consigliere saying that's a bad deal
0: yeah the voice of reason
1: exactly the voice of reason trying to help him out it was kind of given to this other actor this george hamilton and he didn't really do anything with it
0: yeah (sighs) he was he was nothing he was just background noise wasn't he (laughs) Um is there is there anything else sort of burning in your mind that you wanted to bring up it's it's kind of hard to, because this film is so disjointed it's kind of hard to talk about it in a chronological or particularly ordered manner um but was there anything else you wanted to bring up re the film itself so, so as a film it suffers
1: in comparison to the first two mm, however hugely and you cannot watch it on its own you can't just put it in on its own without watching the first two it is an torture. epilogue. It is you'd you'd wonder why you were doing it. I mean, <laughs> we talked <laughs> about it with Watchmen, like at least with Watchmen, I think you could get it. Mm-hmm. So it suffers yeah. in comparison to those, but it's not a bad made film, as you said. It's well shot. It's well lit. It looks great. Um, it certainly looks all of its time. And um, when they get to Sicily, Sicily is is beautiful, and you know the opera scene in particular stands out because of the way it's cut together, and you you see the. The talent that has always been there in Francis Ford Coppola, Mm. you know, again, I'm not going to try and critique something like Godfather 1 or 2 because they're way above my station and (laughs) just take it from us, they are classics, you don't need to take it from us, everyone tells you the classics and they're right. He knows how to film a picture. Um, His problem has been that from time to time, the source material, and that's where this kind of falls down a little bit. Um, The casting... Mm of the daughter certainly is a huge issue when you're watching it because you just feel nothing for her nothing you feel nothing for mary and therefore when she dies the emotional relevance is not really there um unfortunately but was it a complete waste of time probably not but watching it all together as a trilogy you could see okay so the story of michael corleone is is now finished there's a capper on it and that's the end of it but like most trilogies chris it doesn't always end well or or necessarily even begin well trilogies are often uh disappointing there's very few trilogies that actually work from beginning to end and you know i know you want to talk about that but Mm -hmm. before you do i want to drop some knowledge on you oh go on do you know there are only two trilogies on which all three films have been nominated for best picture Ooh, okay godfather is one of them godfather part three was nominated actually was nominated for a lot of awards was nominated for best picture that year 1990 do you know what the other trilogy was um can you give me a rough time like a decade uh i can tell you it happened in the last it happened in this millennium lord of the rings surely it is lord of the rings lord of the rings and (laughs) the godfather the only trilogies in which every single film was nominated for best picture no way which tells you two things one what were they smoking back in 1990 <laughs> it must have been a real lean year this film did better commercially and at the awards uh than goodfellas which came out in the same year no goodfellas is leagues ahead of this film in terms of a enjoyable to watch mafioso film
0: it is i mean goodfellas is for my money one of the best films ever i did not realize that they came out in the same year that's shocking
1: it was either the same year or in this, within a year,
0: or at yeah, least within it, the same period, space of time. Yeah.
1: But as we were saying, Chris, you know, trilogies that
0: are a, a tough, tough act to get right all three times. I tell you, I tell you what it is. I feel like, uh, and this is going back into sort of shared memories, I suppose, but I feel like when we were growing up, um, uh, you know, a trilogy was kind of a big deal because mm. they weren't that frequent. It didn't happen that often, and oftentimes it was simply how many how many films can you get out of a series? Uh, you know, when you're not talking about never-ending things like James Bond or, like, some horror franchises, whatever, you know, it was rare enough for a film to get a sequel, you know, so if it managed a third one, it was doing well. And usually, yeah, you know, we, we almost call them a, a trilogy retroactively because they were never intended to be a complete, mm. you know, one, two, and three. And it very much is the same here. You know, we call it the Godfather trilogy by virtue of the fact that there's three films. But it was never intended to be a trilogy. No. Um, and that very much shows.
1: <laughs> I know, absolutely. So it was intended to be two, which it was. And then there was Paramount always wanted a third one because of the box office and everything else, which they eventually got. So we now have a Godfather trilogy. It kind of works because the nature of the third one as an epilogue kind of ends the story. It doesn't end it perfectly. But as we've already said, Chris, it's kind of a mixed bag, but it's, it's not a bad film. Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of good elements to it and you think about other trilogies uh ones that were purposely made and ones that weren't but you know star wars is pretty good the original trilogy (laughs) Uh, we already talked about lord of the rings and Mm -hmm. lord of the rings is Lord of the Rings is probably one of the better trilogies like in terms of start to finish wall-to-wall excellence
0: there's very few that probably are up there with it it's almost universal that the third film in a trilogy is is often the the worst or at least the most disappointing i agree um you know return of the jedi i love it it's a fine movie but it's certainly the weakest of the original three um people will always argue it out between a new hope and uh empire strikes back um obviously here of the godfather godfather part three is awful i'd actually argue that the godfather part one is is the best um okay. just because i think part two is a little bit too long um but is obviously in its own right amazing Um, and I think it's, it's a tough thing to do because with the third film in a trilogy, you've, you've got, there's a lot on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. You've got to Mm -hmm. finish everything off. You've got to finish everything off in a satisfying way that doesn't feel too much. Like you're just bookending everything and tying it all up because that's unrealistic. But at the same time, everyone wants the resolution. They want to know what happens with all the characters and they want to know how their arcs end. And, it's twice as tough a job if you didn't intend to make it a trilogy in the first place Mm. because half the time you end up having to blow everything up just to put it back together again so you've got a film so you've got a story to tell um i think the worst offender is the the matrix trilogy the first film amazing you know absolutely amazing action film still stands up today uh it's um simultaneously filmed sequels uh were absolutely tripe <laughs> um and were a prime example of people just trying to cash in uh trying to generate you know like i say, there was a buzz if a film was getting a trilogy that was a big deal and i remember people telling me at the time like apparently this matrix thing's going to be a trilogy there's a whole plan there's, there's going to be big things happening in these these second and third films um and the disappointment i felt when i watched that third film was unreal
1: I think that the disappointment was really in the third one than the second one. I can I only saw the second and third one once each at the cinema which goes to show you what I think about what what my movie going experience for both of those was. But I remember being more disappointed by the third than the second. And you bring up a good point and that is when you've got a successful first film and say, people say, you know, I've got an idea for a trilogy or at mm-hmm. least multiple sequels, then the second one builds upon the formula of the first. But then where does the third one go? Is it more of the same, in which case our expectations are lowered? Or does it go in a completely different uh, avenue? Which you could argue that The Godfather Part 3 does. Godfather Part 3 is very different Mm, from 1 and 2. But it follows the story of Michael Corleone uh, very well. Now, I I think most people would agree with you, it doesn't execute that vision very well. It probably could have needed more time to gestate, more time for the, the writing maybe some different acting choices tarting up the script a bit and then it probably would have been a better film Mm -hmm. but would the reaction have been the same possibly because of those expectations that we bring into the movie theater when we are seeing a sequel when we're seeing a franchise when we're seeing a second one or a third one so quite often you're right chris that 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 third part of a trilogy or sequence of films falls flat which is why something like lord of the rings obviously because it has the source material from the books works really well i'd also say actually until they make a fourth one which i think they're talking about toy story toy story the third one is the best one Mm -hmm. controversial but i see what you're saying (laughs) there's nothing controversial the third one is the best one it's amazing (laughs) that i walked out (laughs) that cinema without bawling my eyes out at the ending it was so good chris but i i would also say you know the 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 matrix third part uh even the cornetto trilogy you know the world's end compared to uh, Shaun of the dead and uh, hot fuzz falls flat for me it's not terrible but uh it's not nearly as good as the first two for me back to the future again the third one falls flat it's a very hard thing to get right chris mm. trilogies
0: i'm thinking as well of uh the the what i suppose we would retroactively term the dark knight trilogy um yep. batman begins was uh an awesome movie dark knight um, was unreal <laughs> it was so good and the third film couldn't help but disappoint with those two going before it um, but you know again it was just like well does it end do we end it they said yes we're we're going to end it we're going to you even know, we're going to see he retires and you know Jason Garvin Levitt maybe takes up the mantle but you won't get to see it that's the end of this story um, and you can't end a Batman story it just can't be done um, and and so that film though it had some very good moments is is generally now viewed as the weakest of that uh, trilogy and you know, most people's
1: I don't know why it's the weakest <laughs> most people's
0: memories of it now is the Bane voice and the you know, we all like to be science nerds and say, oh well, there's no way he could have got away from the nuclear blast in time so that's just ridiculous um <laughs> To summarize, um, it is a flawed and at times boring movie, <laughs> <laughs> but but ultimately worth a watch. I think uh, if you've seen the first two, I
1: think if you I think if you watch the first two, don't put it off for twenty years like me. Watch or the first or one. like they did. Uh, watch actually. <laughs> Uh, well, oh, yeah, that's, that's true. I, I'm I'm actually right on par with Francis Ford Coppola. I yeah. put it off for sixteen years. Um, you know what? Definitely, you know, watch all three of them, but watch the first two, enjoy them, then watch the third one, and kind of just remember that you always have the first two. It's not ruined by the third one. No. Um, it's just a bit slow. It's a bit boring. It has some good scenes though. It does have some good scenes, and it does wrap it up quite nicely.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a decent end to the story. Um, so. Before we get on to uh, plugs and whatnot, I want to hear what we're watching next. Well, Chris,
1: I've got, I've got an
0: idea. <laughs> I thought for uh, a second it's... you'd forgotten. He <laughs> you took a really long pause. Oh, shit. What's this podcast about? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, on. yeah.
1: So, uh, we, we, ha- we have got a list of, of films you, you haven't watched. Mm-hmm. So, if it's accurate, then you haven't seen this one. It doesn't really play into anything special about the time of year we're in, or necessarily any shared memories that we have, Chris. It's just a film you haven't seen, and I would like you to watch it, and that is uh, the Christopher Nolan classic, Interstellar. Ooh, okay. Now, I used the word classic there, by the way. I used it in the way that you use it. I don't think it's a classic. (laughs) It's pretty good, though. But it's got some interesting ideas, and I would like to hear your your take on them. So you've got two weeks to go and and watch that. And guess what? It's not a short film, so... (laughs) <laughs> enjoy filling that in your time
0: um no i'm I'm quite excited about that actually um everybody well it was a bit it was the talk of the town uh when it was out in the cinema so of course i didn't get a chance to go see it um but yeah no I, i'm excited i'm excited i'm looking forward to that okay so uh that about wraps it up so that's all for this episode we'll return in two weeks to discuss interstellar uh in the meantime if you wish you can keep in touch with us you can follow us on Twitter at obrotherpod. Uh, you can come like us at facebook.com slash Podcast. Come join in the conversation on there. Uh, and finally, uh, subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, whatever you choose to watch, uh, to listen on. And in fact, uh, on a personal note, I've recently made the switch to Stitcher. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I, I've had enough with the with the inbuilt native iPhone app. It wasn't, it wasn't doing what I needed it to. It just randomly stopped playing episodes or tell me they were unavailable for months. And I said, enough's enough. I'm, I'm going Stitcher. And I'm not looking back. Oh, nice. It's good. Oh, nice. Good app. So I've been Chris, and he's been Steve. And we'll see you next time.